Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, I'm going to be very candid off the top of the program. I'm going to try to dive into, for a couple of minutes here, a pretty complicated topic. At least it can be complicated. I'm going to work very hard to make this as simple and straightforward as I possibly can. In about five minutes when I'm done, I want you to judge me to see if I actually succeeded in doing that. And then after that, we're going to talk about the new basketball hire for Georgia, both in terms of the stuff that everybody sort of agrees is true. One thing that's kind of under the radar that you might not realize with the new Georgia basketball coach that I do think is worth discussing here. And we'll kind of see where that leaves us then. But for now, off the top of the program, kind of a complicated story, hopefully simplified and hopefully in a way that is relevant for you, the uh, Georgia football fan tuning in today. You may have seen late Friday night story at the Athletic subscription based uh, sports website about a supposed five star athlete in the 2023 class who has gotten a supposed NIL offer that could pay him upwards of eight million dollars over the course of his time in college that would at least come with a payment right away of several hundred thousand dollars just for joining in and being a part of that college program even though technically by the letter of the law these kinds of things aren't supposed to be recruiting inducements and things like that there's a story at the athletic through the prism of a lawyer who apparently is a big hero here because he negotiated the deal and it kind of gives us supposedly some insight into how the nil thing is playing out and how it could impact the 2023 class now listen around here one of the things that we try not to do is dive headfirst too much into the world of rumors because we got a big platform we got to be careful you know the stuff we say matters so we try to tread carefully from time to time maybe at times even more carefully than we should but listen uh we don't want to you know tarnish what we built so we just try to be careful with that kind of stuff so in this particular case what's not in dispute whatsoever is the story at the athletic the recruit supposedly exists the payment opportunity supposedly exists however where the speculation comes in well exactly who is this recruit and this is where we're going to do something we don't normally do uh <laughs> I'm going to acknowledge the overwhelming rumor stuff that's out there that this might be Nico Imaliva, a five-star quarterback. Uh, the reason why people think this is the case is because the puff piece here on this kind of follows up a couple of other puff piece style things uh, that the athletic has done related to Tennessee's NIL collective. We actually addressed those in the show a few days ago. The lawyer quoted in the story on Friday from the athletic operates not too far away from where I'm Oliva lives out in California. Um, there, there's been some chatter lately that I am Oliva is actually trending in the direction of Tennessee. Twenty four seven Sports, for instance, some of the online predictions they've had there kind of have all this going on, and all of this kind of adds up to a lot of folks who think, "Hey, well, this story might be about Nico I am Oliva, the five star quarterback." We don't know that to be true, but that's kind of what some people think. So, for a couple of minutes here, even though we obviously can't prove this, uh, we're going to operate on the assumption this might be I am Oliva or something kind of like that. We, don't, we have no reason to believe this is Georgia. We have no reason to believe this is you know anything connected to UGA. But there's a very good chance this could be one of Georgia's recruiting rivals that's supposedly using a whole lot of NIL opportunity to 
sway a five-star quarterback and if that turned out to be true that's the kind of thing that obviously could change the balance of the 2023 recruiting class change the balance of the sec on the field or really even if it's not tennessee georgia competes at the very highest level of recruiting this would be interesting to georgia one way or another just because that's the kind of way that uh things go now here's what we know that georgia coach kirby smart has openly acknowledged even as recently as this february that when it comes to battling big programs for recruits that nil has been a part of this it's going to be a bigger part of it apparently for the 2023 class but it's also a very big part of the 2022 class as well smart himself pretty wide-eyed and open about all of this acknowledging that the way in which you induce recruits is starting to change and this most recent recruiting class was the time when that really started in earnest this was smart back in february as a reminder it's extremely tangible i mean it is uh it's like like you mentioned we can't set that up we can't the sell for for what we're at least what i'm finding in recruiting is it used to be you sold um championships you sold um maybe facilities development certainly was a primary sell um now development has taken a step back which it shouldn't it shouldn't and uh facilities academics what we can do for you life after football um those, those things have taken a back burner to 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 NIL for a lot of people, um, and you know once you explain to to kids that you know we, we can't set that up, we can't promise that, but what people are doing is they're validating their NIL by showing what their current roster makes and showing what their uh, current players are able to do. And the more marketable their players, the more the dollar signs uh, fall in uh, these these young kids and parents' minds. So Kirby Smart openly acknowledges, hey, NIL is a big part of this. Programs are using that to sell in recruiting. And, you know, I think most people kind of believe that Georgia hasn't fully embraced the NIL era, at least at that time. Now they have a collective that's been established now. But even with some of the things that Smart says, it's not like he's jumping up and down cheering for the chance to 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 really lean on Georgia's ability to to get players paid as a reason why they should come to UGA in fact he's been pretty open and honest about that not really being the thing that ought to drive you to the program that you're going to but smart says yeah other programs are kind of doing that right now that's a as he says very tangible part of the recruiting process right now however many of you who watch or listen to the show on a regular basis know even with smart saying that You've also heard me be skeptical about a lot of the most what I think of as exaggerated claims when it comes to name image likeness. The idea that Texas A&M is paying $30 million or that, you know, so-and-so is worth millions and millions of dollars. For the most part, I've just been pretty skeptical about all of that. It probably doesn't surprise you to find out. I am just as skeptical of this story involving unnamed five-star recruit in the pages of Athletic coming uh, on Friday. There are a few reasons why I feel this way. The simplest thing is is if the rumor mongers on the internet are correct, and this is Tennessee who's making this offer to I am Aliva, and that's the unnamed recruit in the story, let's just use this for the sake of conversation right now. Part of the reason why I'm suspicious of this is because that collective for Tennessee doesn't currently possess $8 million. You can read other things that have been written about them. They're trying to raise a bunch of money, but they are not currently in possession of that money. So whatever money they promised, if we operate hypothetically that this is the situation here and most nils collectives would be the same way they are promising money they are then going to turn around and go and try to raise and ultimately that's the issue here the reason why my skepticism about nil remains high despite stories like this is and you've heard me say this before there is a supply side and a demand side the demand side's on the side of the players right now of course players want to be paid who wouldn't want to be paid 
But when we hear stories or sources quoted in stories about NIL right now, the overwhelming kinds of people we hear in those stories are people who are connected to the demand side of the NIL world. Collectives that are set up to collect those payments, that's why they're called collectives, they collect the payments, or lawyers representing the players try to get more of that money because, let's face it, anytime you can establish yourself as another layer between the player and the money, that's good for the people involved. That's part of the reason why so many lawyers are, are, are leaping that direction right now. But if you notice this, and don't judge my own words here, do the research for yourself. If this NIL stuff and paying guys millions of dollars, whatever, that, whatever else, if that's so ever-present, why don't we ever hear from anyone who's actually doing the paying of this money? That's the question I always come back to is, is if the NIL thing is as big as the athletic has described it as being, then where's the supply side on all of this? Where is either the, the big company saying, yeah, we're all about paying these guys millions and millions of dollars. We think this is a great investment. Right now, they're really silent. Or the big donor who doesn't necessarily have a company to lean on, but it just wants to be the big shot. None of this is illegal. None of this is against the rules. And yet the supply side of this, those actually giving the money, it's almost totally silent. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. There is more evidence right now for the existence of Santa Claus than there is for the existence of these supposedly monopoly men money bags going around throwing all this money around to players. We hear plenty of stories about players receiving the money, but we don't hear any story about the source giving the money. I find that to be a little bit suspicious. As I said before, uh, do your own research on this, judge for yourself. Who is the source of all this money? We see very little reporting about who that might be. And, and in fact, to the extent that we have any investigation of the actual source of the NIL payments right now, here's what we know that it's not. Right now, we know that it's not, as we discussed this past week on Dog Nation Daily, the so-called big brands, the big advertisers who would have a traditional endorsement campaign with um, with the with the athletes involved. Drew Butler, who understands this as an executive icon source, which is kind of deeply involved in the NIL world, he believes that over the course of the long run, the most likely entities to make big NIL payments will be traditional brand advertisers. Uh, he said that on the show going back to uh, last uh, Wednesday. Take a listen to this. You know, I think I think five years from now, uh, sports marketing will still remain the number one way in which student athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. That's meaning endorsement deals. Uh, obviously, these collectives at top tier universities, much like the Classic City Collective, are going to have no problem drumming up interest from boosters, fans, and supporters to generate that pool of money in which then they can allocate to student athletes as they see fit. So I would say that those, you know, endemic endorsement deals and creating those relationships. If I was a brand, you know who I wouldn't be going after? The senior who's got five more months on campus. Yeah. I would be going after the freshman and the sophomore, developing that relationship and knowing that I can have two to three years with that person speaking positively on behalf of my brand in that area over a much longer period of time. So there's still a big education process for the brand to just really understand the value that they can get leveraging and working with the student athletes. So hear this for a moment. Drew Butler in that clip says that over the course of the next five years, big companies are the ones most likely to make big NIL payments. But at the end of that clip, you hear Butler say, right now, those companies still need education, though, on why they ought to be involved in the world of NIL. That's right. Up until now, we have not seen major involvement 
from major companies in terms of big NIL payments. That's part of the reason why the supply side of the NIL world is so silent, because the big companies largely aren't involved yet. In fact, on Wednesday, when Drew Butler was on the show, he went into even more detail about exactly why he thinks that is, that big companies thus far are, for the most part, sitting out NIL Butler again. The big brands have yet to dive into NIL because the industry is so fragmented, right? Different rules at different universities. Student athletes all over the place. Different guidelines within different conferences. You know, how are they going to aggregate the amount of student athletes that they want to make a real impact? If you're talking about Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper or Delta, if we're going to focus in on Atlanta-based companies, they're going to want to go out and get a lot of student athletes and send them opportunities and have a, a, a real efficient process. Sliding into DMs on Instagram, not getting responses from student athletes, juggling different rules at school to school. Delta's not going to do that. They're going to go, this is ridiculous. This is wasting way too much time. You know, we have other things to do. So simple point here for a moment. Part of the reason why I kind of roll my eyes, the idea that unnamed five-star recruit is getting this million-dollar contract put in front of him to sign is because, as Drew Butler says, the entities most likely to provide those big payments to players are big brands, big companies, big advertisers. And thus far, they are sitting out, for the most part, the world of NIL. They're not making major payments, major offers to any athletes right now. Based on the current landscape of the world of NIL, that's just not been available. Now, you can believe me on this. You kind of know I'm a little bit of a skeptic, have been. But how about people who are not quite so skeptical about this? There's a guy named Shannon Terry. Let me explain who that is, and then I'll tell you what he said about all this. Uh, Terry was the guy that originally started Rivals.com, then left that, started 24-7 Sports, then left that, now started a company called On3, which is kind of a rival to those other companies. This is a pretty big wig when it comes to the sports website space and you know pretty innovative guy generally respected i believe made a lot of money on building on these websites and with his new website on three there is a big portion of what they're covering that's kind of in the nil space now i've actually had some you know questions about some of the stuff they've reported when it comes to nil but this is a pro nil guy uh, but even he, guy who's been very successful in business, guy who's very forward-faced when it comes to NIL right now, was on the internet this weekend kind of asking some questions about what's going on. So if you don't buy my skepticism, at least maybe listen to this. Let me show you Shannon Terry here on the screen from Twitter. He says, despite the hype being floated to get the attention of recruits, the majority of NIL collectives are unorganized and the money amounts are currently grossly overstated. He says they will get there, but not what it seems today. With that said, colleges and collectives that are behind better catch up quick. So that's a guy who's pro NIL, who's building building a website that's kind of built to cover NIL. And yet he says right now, some of the stuff that you're hearing is grossly exaggerated. And the supposed collectives that are collecting these payments, he said he calls them unorganized. So this is what I think your takeaway as a Georgia fan on this should be, is that as of right now, even though that Georgia, by almost any estimation, is way behind what some other programs are when it comes to some of the NIL stuff, I actually don't believe that stands as some sort of like harbinger of doom for UGA recruiting because I think some of the stuff that's described about possibly Tennessee, possibly Texas A&M, possibly some of these other places, I think, as Shannon and Terry points out there, may be a little bit exaggerated. Even if things are on their way to changing, it's not changed quite as much right now as some people would have you believe. However, 
there is still a concern I have as a UGA fan, but probably as a as just a college sports fan in general. To me, the biggest issue here is not the actual NIL offer itself. It's the rumor of the NIL offer and the looming danger that's always lurking when it comes to transfer portal. Other players hear these stories. They hear these rumors of so-and-so getting blah, blah, blah money or so-and-so getting this offer, so-and-so getting that offer. And as far as they know, it's all true. I think the danger with stories like the ones you've heard kind of kicked around is it only serves to to raise the level of dissatisfaction that an unhappy player may have because obviously if you think somebody somewhere who's not as proven a player as you are is getting way more money than you're getting, well, of course that's going to kind of increase your, your, your level of unhappiness if you're already unhappy to begin with. And so that's one of the reasons why I think stories ought to have a lot of questions asked about them. And hopefully people continue to ask those questions. And as the investigation of what's really happening in NIL continues, hopefully we'll stop hearing as much from those on the demand side of this, those that are supposedly facilitating these payments, and those on the supply side, the folks actually offering the money, whether it be a brand advertiser or just a big booster who wants to be a big shot, let's start hearing more from the people actually making the payments if we want to have a true idea of what's actually going on with NIL. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Good morning to you, and thanks for being with us no matter how you get here, whether it be 945, dognation.com, Dog Nation app for our first and 15, 10 a.m. after that for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all on video, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you a part of what we're doing here today, and a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible energy efficient windows and doors that matters to you that's what pella provides it's a recognized brand homeowners here in the atlanta area where i live have been calling this really the best for a long time all kinds of survey results point that out to be the case those of you that have the pella window and door uh and doors in your house you know that to be true there as well it's never been more expensive to heat your home at least in my mind seemingly uh than it is right now and the last thing you want is to pay a bunch of money for heat especially at night when it's been really cold as of late only to watch that heat escape out your house because your windows aren't sealed right or your door's not quite what it should be that's what pella window and door of georgia prevents also make sure your house look great on the outside who doesn't love the look of a you know greatly respected viewed to be the best window uh entry door things like that that's what pella window and door of georgia provides they also provide great savings for you there as well and listen finding savings where you can get it as it stands right now that's a very important thing to be able to do how about this between now and april 22nd you can get 50 percent off a qualifying installation or as payment as low as 99 dollars a month that's all really good news and that's what pella window and door of georgia provides for you so here's how you get in touch it's pella of ga.com slash dog nation pella of ga.com slash dog nation or you can give them a call 678-638-1496 that's 678-638-1496 pella window and door of georgia is viewed to be the best just tell them the ba from dog nation daily sent you because i know they'll take good care of you all right we're gonna try to take good care of you today there as well john stinchcomb coming up in a moment we'll do a lot with john one of the things i want to address with him because he's a big stakeholder when it comes to uga there is a new basketball coach in place. It is Mike White from Florida. This is not a name we talked about at all leading into all, all of this. It's a pretty big surprise. And I would say that for the most part, for those who are really plugged into this, I would say there's been a little bit of um, disappointment on the part of some uh, about hiring White. And the thing that this stems from is, and admittedly, I've kind of noticed the same thing, is that Florida fans weren't happy with Mike White. And a lot of Florida fans are celebrating today that White's on his way to UGA. And if you want to take the fan message board thing out of this, just look at the conversation that was happening around with White at Florida. It certainly seems like he has 
kind of worn out his welcome in Gainesville there a bit. And so a lot of Georgia fans are asking what I believe is a pretty fair question of, wait, do we want our program to hire a guy that was, wasn't particularly loved at his most recent job? What does that mean for Georgia basketball? seems like a fair question. And I have to admit that I kind of acknowledge the same thing. However, let me give you one slightly different thing to think about here just for a minute, which is this, that while it is true that White had been finding increasing levels of unhappiness with the Florida fans down there in Gainesville, and it was not even a given that White would even be welcomed back to Florida for next year. That's all seemingly true, the best that I can tell. Here's the one thing that is also true, but I don't think it's gotten nearly as much attention that had white lost his job at florida or had white chosen to leave florida without taking the uga job there is still a very good chance that mike white would have been coaching somewhere in the sec for this upcoming season and that's not me just saying this to try to put a happy face on georgia's basketball hire this has also been part of the chatter down in kind of the gainesville uh north florida area for quite some time in fact the guy that i think probably does as good a job as any covering the university of florida is getting mark long he covers florida for the associated press and you know he makes some media appearances from time to time we've had him on sec country live and things like that i just think that mark does a pretty good job of covering florida because i think he's very candid with what he says and so if you want to go back a few days ago, Long was on a radio station in Jacksonville called 1010XL, sports radio station in Jacksonville. And the subject of Mike White came up then. This is before anybody knew that White was leaving for the Georgia job. But Mark Long, Associated Press writer, that's a big, obviously, you know, news, recognized news brand, big news uh, guy working for the Associated Press, talking about Mike White addressing the idea that white was going to coach somewhere else in the sec next season this is mark long on mike white from 1010xl anybody who's been to Ole miss with mike white the guy is revered he gets entered when the florida gets introduced mike white doesn't get food he gets like standing ovation they love him there his four years as a player they loved him he was a fan favorite and so every time he comes back uh, you know, it, it's standing room only for him. And uh, so I, I would not be surprised at all if that's how this thing played out. I'd be stunned if it doesn't play out that way. So that's Mark Long saying he'd be stunned if uh, Mike White didn't leave for Ole Miss. Important to know that Ole Miss currently has a coach. It's Kermit Washington, but there's also a thought that he may lose his job there as well. So that's a guy saying that White may have been leaving for another job. So part of the thing here with UGA about getting – out in front and quickly getting Mike hired, Mike White hired, if that's what uh, Josh Brooks wanted to do. Apparently that is what he wanted to do. Part of the thought there is, is that there may have been other SEC programs, his alma mater Ole Miss may be the most prominent here, that would have been interested in Mike White if White was available and on the open market, and that's why Georgia struck as quickly as it did. Also, it's important to note here, and I don't take great pleasure in saying this, by my count, and I think I've got the math right on this, White won six NCAA tournament games while coach at Florida over the brief tenure that dates back to, what, 2016? You have to go back to 1996 to find Georgia's span of six NCAA tournament wins, even if you count the one that was taken away by the uh, NCAA. Like, that's a tough situation there in terms of the lack of success for Georgia that by UGA standards, unfortunately, White has been, you know, pretty successful. You know, the big knock on him for me, in addition to the fact that, you know, really ultimately his recruiting classes haven't been all that much better than he probably hasn't recruited quite as well as I would have expected him to, just given what I think about Florida and, you know, the difference between he and Georgia, maybe not, you know, wildly different when it comes to that. The other knock I would kind of have on him a little bit is 
is that you know if you want to measure pace of play, you can look at possessions per game as a way to do that. Um, Florida this past season was 256th in the country in possessions per game. By just a little bit of context here, think about a coach like, say, Ben Howland at Mississippi State, which kind of thought of a defensive first grinder a little bit. That's part of the way in which he went to Final Fours at UCLA, kind of playing a very defensive first, very methodical pace. Uh, by comparison, Mississippi State was 245th. So Florida played slower this past year than Mississippi State does. Just kind of give you a little bit of an idea there. However, to kind of swing this back to the positive, then I want to talk to John Stinchcomb about this. You know, this whole notion of, well, if one fan base doesn't like him, he must not be a very good coach. There is at least some evidence that's not true. I mean, think about Texas here for a moment. They would have told you Rick Barnes was a terrible coach, and yet uh, at Tennessee, he's actually doing pretty well. That's not the only example of that. They hated their last coach, Shaka Smart, there as well, and Smart's got Marquette in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2019, uh, I believe, this year, that, that coaches have actually left Texas and gone on to do better things some other place. So I'm not saying that means anything for the Mike White deal here. Uh, we don't know how good of a coach going to turn out to be at UGA. But this is more than just Georgia hiring a coach that was maybe at risk of losing his job at his old place. There's a little more context to there, which uh, suggests that he certainly has some chance of being successful here at UGA and maybe a pretty good chance of at least raising the level of where the currently uh the program is so some thoughts there on that i know georgia fans will continue to be weighing in on a pretty uh high level on all of this in the days to come there as well for now let me find out what somebody else has to think about this and we'll get obviously plenty of football there as well the guy who loves his alma mater when it comes to all these topics it is john stinchcomb here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. So I say hello to John Stinchcomb. Obviously, we'll do a lot of football with John here. We always do when spring practice looms. Seems very important to do that. But uh, John's also on the athletic board. He's a big-time stakeholder when it comes to UGA. He's got, you know, opinions anytime George makes a coaching hire. Men's basketball, a pretty important hire, certainly for a new AD Josh Brooks, relatively new AD Josh Brooks. It is a very big deal. Uh, John, I kind of acknowledge some of the skepticism that some Georgia fans have about this hire. It certainly seems like Florida fans aren't all that happy uh, with Mike White. You know, his recruiting classes aren't exactly like eye popping, and that's obviously what Georgia needs more of. But he has won a good number of games in the NCAA tournament. That's something that Georgia doesn't do at all. Um, you know, had he not coached Georgia, there's a very good chance he'd be coaching somewhere, maybe in the SEC this upcoming season. So maybe there's more to like than some people have given the higher credence for. What do you think of Georgia's new basketball coach? I'm hopeful. Uh, just like uh, hopefully all the rest of the Georgia fans, anytime you get a new coach and you're trying to breathe life into a program that uh, struggled in, in recent years, you want to be optimistic. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, like most fans, I'm trying not to focus on the concerns and, and the possible threats that this hire poses, especially with, you know, there's a lot of Georgia fans interested in a Hayes brother coming back and, and being a head coach. It is all my mater, but uh, for Coach White, he does have successes that Georgia has not found in recent years. And I think there is some reason for optimism as, as this. You know, landscape has changed across all athletic sports, and I think Coach Crean is a victim of the transfer portal more than probably any coach that we're familiar with. 
Um, and you can just look at this past year with the amount of guys that left the program and found success elsewhere. Getting guys to campus originally was not the problem. Retention became, you know, the main issue. And hopefully as Coach White comes in, understanding what that looks like, the ability to, to attract players both out of high school, uh, across your own program and from other programs is now mandatory, especially in basketball, where you know you put five or six guys together and you've got something really special. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see as this transition in leadership takes place, are we able to focus in on some of the recruits, obviously nationwide, but you don't have to go too far from Athens to find some really talented high school basketball players and see if we can retain a few more of those. Two very quick things on this. I want to talk some football with you. Um, you mentioned Jonas Hayes. It's a very interesting comparison. Hayes has something that White doesn't have, which is deep ties to UGA, but Hayes also is lacking something that White has a lot of, which is head coaching experience. White has you know, coached for a while now. A lot of that coming in the NCAA tournament. His overall record in March is a losing record, but he still won you know, games in the NCAA tournament, which is something that Jonas Hayes obviously can't say. You know, John, I don't mind telling you that I will take the sitting head coach here over the assistant with promise. If it's a choice between just the two, then I guess Mike White probably would be my preference there. What do you think about that contrast between guy who loves UGA, who knows UGA, but hasn't been a head coach in comparison to someone who has the head coaching experience, but not the other stuff? Sure. Well, I'll say this, uh, just with the, the speed of which this transition was made, uh, it, it would certainly lend itself to a situation where uh, Coach White was a target more than this is an open slate and uh, we're just going to take the best that's interested. I, that doesn't seem to be uh, the situation here. Uh, obviously, with the transition happening as quickly as it did between Coach Cream to Coach White, um, there was some affinity there, possibly on both sides. And, you know, I, I don't want to point down the direction of, what is it, tampering or anything along those lines. But I think we're also would be naive to think that there's not some uh, back channel uh, contact that, that's being made on, on both sides to express interest um, and engage what the possibilities are when you're looking at a transition like this. So, when you're looking at you know proven commodity, here's a coach that has been able to take his team into the tournament, has found success where Georgia has not, versus a young up-and-comer. I think there's room for both. I think you look at fit and feel uh, and, and position of your program and what you need at this time. And I think having a proven commodity makes a lot of sense. I, I you know I, I could argue both sides of this coin quite candidly, and uh, I was during the era of the Hayes brothers. So I'm a fan of theirs, but I, I am would be the first to admit that this isn't my strong suit, especially when you're looking at uh, finding a head coach in the basketball uh, arena where so much is, is changed and, you know, with AAU ball and those relationships. And, um, you know, I, I can certainly understand wanting to – a, draw from, from an opponent and, and possibly weaken their program. That's never a, a, a downside. And then B, uh, you've been able to attract a coach that has found success that your program hasn't been able to achieve in quite some time. So just on a, on a surface level, there's plenty of things that you can point to and say there's positive.
Let me move on to the NIL thing for a moment. There was a story in The Athletic on Friday. Of course, Athletic's a sports uh, a subscription sports website about an unnamed five-star recruit supposedly getting an NIL offer that would pay him $700,000 almost immediately and then uh, the potential of like up to $8 million over the course of his time while in college. We don't know who this is. We have our suspicions. Uh, it's certainly seemingly not Georgia, though. We, we seem to kind of know that. And, you know, John – trying to find a way to phrase this as a question like if this is true then then uh, you know then obviously things have changed for georgia here pretty quickly because that's not really the way that georgia is currently operating at least it seems like in the uh, in the world of nil uh, what do you think about the idea that now a recruit in the upcoming class is supposedly commanding that kind of money well <laughs> i think we continue to see the emerging field that is the nil system. I, I've talked to coaches, both in the college ranks and the NFL ranks, of uh, some of the recruiting tactics that are occurring across this country and, and the way it's being responded to on the players' side of things. And um, it, it is um, I, it's a marvel to hear some of these stories of guys that usually go in with a, a recruiting pitch of selling your school and what's available to them and the resources and the program that they'll be a part of and your support staff and the majors and uh, what would we consider typical recruiting. And now um, it's, even if it's not directly with the player, uh, understanding with parents of like, what's it going to take as in uh, what, what are the NIL opportunities for this particular student athlete uh, that that's available at your program. And, you know, you can talk about that. That's not the way it's supposed to be, but uh, I think it is what it is at this point. And, um, you know, that, that concern for pay for play and it can't recruit players, that sounds really good on paper. And I think what we're recognizing is in reality, um, it's become even harder to regulate and manage and divide the two. Uh, because it seems like there's a there's a lot that's going into players' decisions that have nothing to do with the school or the football program. So we had Drew Butler on the show last week. Drew works in this space now. He's an executive at a company called Icon Source, and he's pro NIL. Obviously, he wants uh, opportunities for athletes, and he's working to help make those possible. When Drew was on the show uh, last week, John, I asked him, like, when you think about the next few years, who's more likely to make an NIL payment to a player? Is it like Moneybags Booster who just wants to come across as a big shot? Or is it company that's doing this in exchange for traditional marketing purposes? You know, John Stinchcomb is a great offensive lineman. I want him as the recognized face of my brand. You're a traditional endorser. And what Drew said last week is that he still thinks that it's the opportunity for companies and marketing opportunities that's still going to be the bedrock of NIL in the future. And so from that standpoint, John, I think it's very interesting that you know, for the most part, we're not really hearing a lot from companies on, on all of this. And you know, we haven't really heard the big brands get big involved in NIL as of yet. A lot of the so supposed payments and all this to me still seem to be fairly non specific why don't you think we ever hear from more of the folks who are actually paying the nil money we hear a lot from those who are facilitating the deals and obviously the players that want the deals but those that are supposedly paying all this money why don't we ever hear from them well to think that it's not directly related to schools uh, you know i i think would be <laughs> uh naive to the fact that 
in, in the NFL, let's, let's look at a market that's already been around and established for decades. As a professional athlete, you can get whatever marketing deals are, are available to you. For whatever company that wants to pay you to represent their product, they are free. Uh, let's take a look at the Falcons. Falcons have a, a roster full of stars, right? So uh, how many of those companies are seeking out Jake Matthews and the rest of that offensive line uh, to endorse their product? Not many. Yeah, Jake Matthews might be the exception, but you're looking at now there are guys that have oddities. They've got potential coming out of high school. Maybe they had four or five stars, and they uh, look like good recruits, but obviously no nowhere near the amount of success that any of the five offensive linemen for the Falcons, and I'm using them because it's the hometown team here, but – they don't have the marketing capability that a incoming, unproven, never had a start offensive lineman is at a at a college. So to think that it's you know I want to promote my product with this player, it's not based on proven ability. It's more based on school affiliation, and you, I'd be hard pressed to be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I think it's a it, it's really interesting, John, for sure. Obviously, on the football field for the dogs, getting ready to start spring practice here this week, and you know this is a pretty important time for UGA. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like we've joked a lot about being humble and hungry and kind of getting over being national champions. And as you know, fans, we've had to do that a little bit. It'd probably been a little slow to do that around here. I'm still you know pretty well basking in the glow of Georgia having won a national championship but the time for having done that is is soon going to be over in fact that time is now where it's about the 2022 dogs now at the 2021 season now lives in the past the 2022 dogs now take center stage and as we discussed last week on the heels of the NFL combine getting to work and replacing a lot of very important players for UGA that is no easy task for the dogs starting right now right well the the only thing harder than getting to the top of the dog pile of teams that are trying to reach for that trophy is staying on the top of that mountain. And uh, Georgia will start that or continue that process. Recruiting's obviously already happened and and signing day and those kind of things. But uh, one of the first steps that they'll take and what this 2022 season is going to look like is with spring ball. And there is a number of, of positions and opportunities that are going to be filled by uh, some young faces just because, uh, you know, last week's conversation centered on the 17, 17, uh, it was 17, 14, which one? 14, 14 at the combine. Yeah. 14, 14 at the combine. Yep, yeah. 14 at the combine. So, uh, the, that unbelievable amount of talent that's walking out the door. And I think we've spoken, uh, multiple times on the amount of talent that's coming in, but, uh, there's a, there's a, a, a number of opportunities that guys are going to have to step up and, and fill some rather big shoes. Um, and this spring ball is a great chance for these young players to kind of put their name, it's going to be in pencil, but put their name closer to the top of that list of guys they can count on. Uh, so let me finish with this then you know you also look at the new face of the coaching staff you know new outside linebackers coach new cornerbacks coach new offensive line coach the position that you know very well and I think the assumption a lot of us make is hey if you're a guy that's been fighting for playing time and maybe you haven't won that fight the new coach provides a new opportunity 
not to say that you were in the other guy's doghouse. I don't have any reason to necessarily suspect that was true for really anybody, but it's just a reboot, right? It's a chance of, hey, if you're working for Stacey Sarles now, all of a sudden you get a chance to show him something that you weren't able to show Matt Luke. And I'm sure that a lot of UGA players are feeling a little bit of a rebirth for their career simply because they have new eyes who are evaluating. You played the game for a long time. How true do you think that is? Very. It's very true just because, you know, each coach is – they have – specific skill sets that they look for in a player and sometimes that's different I think uh, you can go back to the offensive line conversations we had four or five years ago and it was we're looking for big massive space eating people moving road graders and then the conversation shifted over the years to big athletic guys that can that can move and, and play in space and I think that has a lot to do with the identity and characteristics that a coach is looking for in a player's skill set. And when you have this much turnover, not only in, in players, but also the coaching staff, um, it does provide new opportunities. That, uh, as, as a coach, you, you, you start to brush and, and color a player's profile based on what you've seen before in Sometimes it's hard to pick up on the nuances of the improvement a player has made because you've kind of put them in their box of this is who he is. And when you get a new coach come in, you don't have that whole profile built out over you know, the, the extended amount of time you've spent with an individual player. And it provides for a new opportunity for them to go out there and prove themselves and catch the eye of the new beholder and, it's a great opportunity, and, and as uh, some of the guys that have already been in the fray, it, it's another challenge to them to go out there and, and prove why they were seen uh, and held in such a high regard by the previous regime. So um, I, it, I think, in, in having experienced this five different times at the University of Georgia and offensive line coaches that rotated through, um, it keeps you on your toes. It makes you competitive. You have to continue to go out there and compete. And uh, for the ones that have already proved themselves, not rest on previous laurels and what you've done in the past. And for the younger guys, you see it as an opportunity. It's a way to get out there. And you do have that clean slate where uh, some of your past transgressions or uh, mistakes are I don't know about forgotten, but they certainly aren't remembered in the same way as if you've had the same position coach for the entire tenure that you've been at the university. John, outstanding stuff. Thanks so much for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today. We'll look forward to getting a chance to speak with you soon. I know we'll all be very, very keen with interest about how uh, this spring practice plays out, so I'll enjoy chatting with you more about that in the days to come. Looking forward to it. Go dogs. Yes, sir. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So very interesting stuff from John there, what it means to be a player, getting ready to go through spring practice, and those who feel like they have a new opportunity to show what they're all about. I think that's a really, really very interesting perspective from John on all of that. And of course, it's a busy week for us here at Dog Nation. Kirby Smart Press Conference on Tuesday, Pro Day on Wednesday. So there'll be a lot of football news here over the course of the next few days and a lot of interest 
in how this spring practice plays out. We'll look forward to bringing that here, both at DogNation.com and, of course, on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of George. For now, though, let me also remind you this. As we move towards spring practice, it is a reminder that spring is here. And for us, that means we're on the doorstep of our Dog Nation cruise there as well. First ever chance for you to cruise with Dog Nation. And, man, we are so excited about all of that. Independence of the Seas with our friends at Royal Caribbean. Coming up here in April, just a few weeks left. I'm talking about, really, the time is now. You've been hearing me say this, and it's time to pull the trigger on all of that and be on board with us as we travel on the gorgeous gorgeous independence of the seas going to nasa on the bahamas going to perfect day coco k perfect day coco k in and of itself is a vacation if if i had one selling point for what i'm the most excited about is i was actually just at perfect day coco k back in february and going to be there again coming up in a few weeks and it really is one of my favorite places on the planet because it's a private island oasis right there in the middle of the bahamas uh you got a thrill side tallest water slide in north america it's like a big water park a chill side you know uh floating cabanas and chairs by the water and plenty of cocktails or whatever you're interested in you get all of that perfect day coke okay but only on a royal caribbean ship and how about this not just any royal caribbean cruise the first ever cruise of the dog nations we take advantage of all the great stuff that uh it has to offer including the cool things on board independence of the seas like playmaker sports bar and all the other cool uh, venues there as well it's going to be a great time so go to dognation.com right there at the top of the page there is a link to click into and that'll get you booked up to be a part of the very first ever cruise of the dog nation with our friends at royal caribbean coming up in april make sure you check that out today going to be a lot of fun all right let's transition now cruiser on the sec courtesy of royal caribbean here for a moment now there's a very interesting plot twist to a story we've been following for a number of years when kirby smart was first hired at uga he clearly was cut from the mold of his old boss his mentor nick saban and i think of all the former saban assistants i think there was a belief at the time that kirby smart was the most saban of any of those assistants and yet the one knock on kirby when he came to georgia is he's going to have to prove himself to be his own man. He's going to have to show some ways in which he's different from Nick Saban. I think he's probably done some of that. But what's actually been a pretty interesting plot twist is is that as Kirby has grown in his career, in some cases showing some of the same tendencies that Nick Saban maybe once would have shown, it's actually Nick Saban who's changing. And we've talked about that plenty. A, a different example of that here today as we go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean, that there is just a pretty obvious difference between Saban and Kirby Smart, and it will be on display this week. Now, hear me when I say this. I'm not telling you that one guy's better or, or worse. I mean, history will prove that one way or another, and you could have you know difference of opinion on that even right now. I just think it's important to point out how different these two guys have become. And years ago, we would have assumed, well, Kirby Smart's evolution will eventually make him different than Nick Saban, but it's actually been Saban in the recent years who seems to have done a lot of changing the example i'm giving you is this nick saban speaking at the start of alabama spring practice now he's addressing a number of subjects kind of an opening spring press conference uh and one of the things that he mentioned were the three transfers they had the program all big names eli ricks former cornerback at lsu jameer gibbs former running back at georgia tech and obviously jermaine burton former wide receiver at georgia now uh listen to what he says after practice here to start the spring Saban says, we have three transfers, all of which I think will create a role on the team for themselves. They were all impressive out there today. I'm talking about older guys who played in this league or in the ACC, and I think those guys will be very helpful for us. And that's kind of a relatively innocuous quote. However, there are a couple of things that I think that Saban says there that are far different 
than what I think Kirby Smart would typically say. And tell me if you've noticed this to be true. Don't you find that when Georgia has a reason to have something hyped up, doesn't Kirby Smart typically go out of his way to prevent that from happening, uh, go out of his way from allowing any steam to build around any one player? In fact, let's watch this even tomorrow. Watch Kirby Smart's press conference tomorrow when it occurs. I'm speaking on a Monday. Smart will speak on a Tuesday. That's tomorrow. See if Kirby Smart allows any player to be as hyped up as Nick Saban kind of allows for here when it comes to a Ricks, Burton, and Gibbs. Three all very good transfers, and if Alabama's going to be preseason number one, which most people think they will be, these three transfers are a big reason why. No one's disputing the quality of the transfer players, but the idea that Saban even allows for the fact that he thought they had a good practice today. Ask Kirby Smart if somebody has a good practice, and this is what Smart will almost always say every single time. You have to watch the film to know. He's, he's, not, he's not saying anybody had a good practice until he goes back and watches the film. But guess what? He never follows up. Like the, I have to watch the film to be sure. It's just his way of preventing from saying anybody had a good practice at the moment. Uh, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Some things are just a thing thing. And this is just kind of a thing. That, that Nick Saban is praising his transfer players more than Kirby Smart will praise anybody for the entirety of spring practice. This is just a way in which Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have actually become quite different uh, as Saban kind of goes through the winter of his career and as Smart establishes himself as a head coach. The differences between Smart and Saban are actually becoming pretty profound in a way at one point in time they would just sort of seem like carbon copies of each other. A couple other things here. Obviously, we know that Georgia acted quickly to hire its basketball coach, bringing in Mike White from Florida. We told you a moment ago that while it's certainly true that White was not necessarily in the best graces there in Florida, would have had a chance to maybe coach somewhere in the SEC here this upcoming season because we think the SEC coaching carousel might not quite be through spinning as of yet. One thing we knew, though, based on this past weekend, is that a new school was entered into the fray, and that's LSU. And LSU is probably, of all the current coaching jobs being open, the LSU opening in basketball might be the most interesting, not because it's the best program. You know, programs like Maryland and Louisville have won national championships. I mean, they've obviously got a lot of basketball pedigree. But the presence of the LSU job being open, I think, speaks to the biggest possibility for fireworks because of what Scott Woodward, the LSU AD, has done here in the past. You think about going after Jimbo Fisher for the football coach getting turned down by Fisher and immediately pivoting to Brian Kelly. These are the kinds of big hires that Scott Woodward likes to make. In fact, he made the Jimbo Fisher hire when he was athletic director at Texas A&M, but also hiring Kim Mulkey as basketball coach at LSU as a, for instance, on this. That if somebody is going to make the big firework type hire, the kind of thing, frankly, that a lot of Georgia fans wish UGA would have done, the school most likely to do that, based on the recent track record of the athletic director, is LSU. So the presence of LSU in this battle for basketball coaches is actually a pretty interesting thing and yeah i know there's a little bit of baggage around the program right now because of the notice of allegations and the fact that the official response to the ncaa is seemingly what was required to get the school to move off of will wade who for some reason you know somehow they found a way to stand beside even though at least the best that i can tell my ears heard him on recording violating what was at the time an NCAA rule but somehow they only just now have parted ways with uh Will Wade I don't get the impression that's going to slow LSU down in their pursuit of trying to bring in a uh, big time coach here so the presence of LSU in the coaching carousel for basketball should be a pretty interesting one and then finally there's this NCAA tournament field uh is uh, announced a lot of SEC teams in the mix however 
a couple of SEC teams, the way they were handled and treated, has gotten some attention. First of all, Tennessee wins the SEC tournament, but does not seem to really get rewarded for that. Maybe more conspicuously, Texas A&M, which played very well down the stretch, including winning some games in the NCAA tournament to work its way into the uh, tournament final, doesn't make the field at all, despite having some of the better metrics than teams that did get in, such as Rutgers, as a, for instance, here on this. And the question that those that are watching basketball closely are wondering is, did the committee even watch the conference tournament whatsoever? And you got to kind of wonder, well, are they just kind of filling in the field before the final weekend begins because it's too hard to wait till after all that's done to make their decisions? And are they not using these conference tournaments as a way of evaluating who really should be in the field? It's one of those incongruencies i think that exist where i think the average fan assumes one thing but the actual behavior of the committee would suggest something different even though they won't quite acknowledge that and i understand where the a&m frustration comes from on this frankly i'm not going to shed any tears for tennessee but the fact that the vols only a three seed here i can understand their frustration on that given what they do in a very tough league by winning the sec tournament i sort of get where that's coming from here that the selection committee obviously has a tough job and they don't mind telling you throughout the year how tough that job is but that still does not preclude them from needing to do that job well in terms of how a&m and tennessee were handled here i think there's an argument to be made they could have done a better job the committee could have so some complaints coming from sec country today and i don't believe those complaints are necessarily unwarranted we will make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean as we wrap up here today golden shoe sometimes the shoe is making fun of florida sometimes it's some other thing we you know snarky thing from the internet and sometimes it's just something kind of for fun here kind of a nice uh moment here we've seen a lot of the uh UGA players lately kind of honored back in their hometowns. An example of that, Javon Bullard recently, kind of a cool uh, piece of video here that was shared with me by uh, Fats Magic on Twitter. Uh, he got a chance to walk through the L- L- halls of the elementary school. Uh, excitement in the voice of the kids. One came up uh, said, I wanted to play football like Javon for the dogs one day. How about this great video? Uh, shaking hands, having fun. Don't you know a, a Georgia football player back in the halls of his elementary school what a big deal that is ahead of the start of spring practice. We've seen a few of these hometowns lately honoring some of their guys on the Georgia roster. We say more of that. That looks good to me. So we'll make Fats Magic our golden shoe for sharing that with us here today. Really good stuff. How about Gator Hater Roll Call? Long time since Florida's won a national championship. And in uh, fact, we'll give that to you. 4,813 days. So they can laugh about basketball if they want. But look at that number. That number's not going down anytime soon. How about Gator Hater Countdown in Jacksonville with Mike White cheering for the dogs now about 229 days from now that is our gator hater countdown we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia and on the podcast i'm now the rs andrews podcast cool down we'll take some of your comments here of course rs andrews online rsandrews.com for a lot more on that a lot of folks weighing in on the topic of eric gilbert going back to thursday's show with terrence edwards uh, BDW3184 on the comment section says, kudos to that young man for preserving and working hard to regain his confidence and form. He says, hope it all goes well for him and hope uh, he'll be able to continue striving to become a productive member of the dog. So a lot of folks enjoying what Terrence said on Thursday's show. Kind of got some attention on the website over the weekend. Dallas Dog checks in to say that he agrees with also the sentiment expressed by Terrence that maybe the brakes should be pumped on uh, Gilbert for a moment. He says, I want us to pay more attention to Gunnar Stockton. He's been on campus like all of 10 minutes. He's already made academic player of the week. He says, my first quarter at UGA, literally didn't even know South Campus from North Campus. Maybe the classes are easier, but I doubt it. He says, color me impressed. So Stockton is the other person acknowledged as academic player of the week in the tweet from Kirby Smart the other day, but also suggesting maybe 
you know, giving Gilbert some time to kind of grow into his current role, certainly something that uh, Terrence Edwards advised when he was on the show last week. UGA 66 also checking in on Gilbert as well, saying cheers to Eric. Uh, and also the other academic players week there as well. Talent on the field and in the classroom. A Navy dog writes in to say, you just never know what a person might be going through in life. I pray for Eric Gilbert. And I hope he knows that he's loved. And I'm confident a lot of people beyond just football and talents feel that way. He's as proud of him for lifting his head, planting his feet, and moving forward in life. And that's all really well said by a Navy dog. Uh, BRVHRT also weighing in on a similar sentiment there as well. A lot of folks feeling good about Eric Gilbert. And on Tuesday, when Kirby Smart speaks with his press conference, which will be part of a very busy week for us around Dog Nation, it will be interesting to hear what Smart has to say about that subject. Is Gilbert full-fledged, full-go for spring practice? Will we see him? at g-day all these will be very fascinating things and we'll uh, look forward to finding out more about that in the days to come for now thanks for being here for rs andrews podcast cool down we appreciate you being on board for that rs andrews online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day but you gotta find them online at rsandrews.com have a great day we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by pella window in door of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then